We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick, let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy, and we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy, and I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer, because I know DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered. I love going to the barbershop to get a fresh cut. You feel like the best you, your confidence skyrockets, and you're ready to take on anything. You can have that feeling every day for less than 99 cents a day with Scotch Porter. They've got the best assortment of beard, face, hair, body, and shave products that give you that fresh out of the barbershop, pampered, confident feel. I've been using this stuff and it's fantastic. Look smart, get clean, and be sharp with your first box for free. Just pay shipping. Head to scotchporter.com slash Torre. That's S-C-O-T-C-H-P-O-R-T-E-R.com slash Torre. T-O-U-R-E. Dennis Rodman is a basketball star turned reality star turned self-styled international diplomat. The man has been to North Korea like eight times over the last eight years. And I got a chance to interview Dennis on stage at Politicon, a political festival where lots of politicians and political thinkers come together every year. But Dennis is ambivalent about talking politics. I ask him about Trump, who he endorsed, and Kim Jong-un, who he calls a friend. And Rodman says, hey, I don't get into politics. It's hard to talk Trump and Kim without getting into politics. They are inherently political. But here we are. Dennis cries at one part of the interview when talking about the American hostage Otto Warmbier, who Dennis says he helped rescue, a man who died shortly after getting back to America. Dennis feels blamed for his death, and he cried at the mere thought of the situation. It was real, it was heavy, and we had to deal with that. We talked at Politicon in L.A. in front of a few hundred people who heartily booed me when I said that Trump is obviously racist. Strange times, y'all. It's Dennis Rodman on Torre Show. Since this is Politicon, we usually talk about politics. Let's talk about your politics and where you are. You endorsed Trump during the campaign. Well, we, where where are you on Trump now? Um, I've always told people that me and Trump, uh, we're friends. We don't talk about politics. We don't talk about anything but just, uh, my life, pretty much my life. But uh, I, I leave that to him and his government and his, and his people and nobody else. Do you support him? Um, I guess say... Um, Friendship, yes. As a politician, friendship, yes. I really don't. I'm not really into deep into politics, but I love to create politics. What does that mean? Huh? What do you mean, create politics? You know, like the North Korean thing. I created that. 
it's like really bad. So, you know, and I was just, I was just um, telling people a lot. I said, you know, it's amazing that people haven't really thought about this. And I asked them the question, did we even care about North Korea seven years ago? We didn't even talk about North Korea seven years ago. Never, no one talked about it. And uh, since we're gonna get it out the way, and people look at me and like, uh, why is that? I mean, us in North Korea don't have anything in common, pretty much, right? Okay. So. Are you still friends with Kim Jong-un? Yeah. When yes. was the last time you talked to him? Well, I talked to his party a couple of weeks ago. <clears throat> they still want me to come back over there, you know, because um, the last trip I was over there in North Korea was like a year ago, last May. And the people gave me such heartache for doing that. And I was just trying to, I was telling people for seven years, I mean, for seven years I was telling people, he don't want to create war. He just want to talk. That's it. Well, hell, you've been there several times. How many times have you been over there? Eight times. Eight times. You know Kim Jong-un, you've seen the country. We've never been there. What are we, what are we missing? What do we not understand about North Korea and Kim Jong-un? <laughs> it was funny, though, how this all, all began. But eight years ago, I guess the people in North Korea was reaching out for, um, for some sports figure to come over there to in integrate uh, sports. So they called the Chicago Bulls front office, <clears throat> and they asked, um, would Michael Jordan be interested to come to North Korea? And Michael said, hell no. <laughs> he said, hell no. You know. Then they asked, then they, they came with a second option, said, you think Dennis Rodman would come to North Korea? And this is the funny part. I said, you know, I said yes, you know. Why'd you say yes? Because, <laughs> this is funny, because I thought it was another paying gig, just taking pictures, hanging out, and stuff like that. I knew nothing about North Korea, <laughs> nothing, <laughs> nothing. I think I'm gonna go just signing autographs, you know, taking pictures, holding babies, and stuff like that. Like, you, so you didn't know it was a repressive dictatorship? No, didn't even know that. You just thought it was just, well, yeah. let's go to Burma, let's go to North <laughs> Korea, hey, whatever. That was it. Okay. I'm like, wow, then. At what point did you realize, whoa, this is a different country? <laughs> People don't believe that. <laughs> you know, I know I'm kind of, you know, kind of slow at certain things, but that right there, you know, it was, it's cool though, because I didn't know anything about it, but the week before I was going over there, people started to enlighten me about the country. And only thing I knew about North Korea is about the, the movies. Okay. 50s to 60s to 70s movies about, you know, war and poverty and stuff like that. I started to watch that and get a good, uh, get a good feel for it. But uh, people were saying, wow, dude, I hope you come back. Uh, I hope that nothing happens to you. I hope you don't get shot. And I'm like, really? <laughs> I said, really, Pedro? They do that over there? I said, I didn't know anything about that. You didn't know the danger you were getting into? No. no. I love that. And then, and then when I got, then when I, when I landed in North Korea, everybody's looking out the window, see who has guns, who's going to do this and this. And so. so when I walked out, I think everybody was shocked because they had all the dictator leaders, all the leaders of North Korea just lined up with, with a red carpet. And I'm like, okay, I thought this was supposed to be like a danger place, you know, I should be entering this hell hole, you know? So, okay, great. So I get off the plane and they all pretty much bow down to me. 
I mean, literally like that. I mean, they're shaking hands, da 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 Okay, I'm going down here, so I go inside the red carpet. I sit in this big room, something like this, but half the size, and everybody's lying against the wall, like you see around the world. I'm in the middle, and it's, and one of the uh, dictators said, hey, I mean, the uh, leaders over there said, do you know um, whose seat that you're sitting in? So this story would be real funny. I said, no, you know, I got all these interpreters around me. He said, you sit in, in, uh, in the seat where our leader sits at. And I'm still being stupid as hell, right? I don't know what the fuck they're talking about. <laughs> so, so I'm like, okay, great. Who was the leader? I don't know, right? I've never seen the guy. <laughs> so, so, so anyway, I'm just sitting there being dumb, you know, hoping that I can get educated real quick. <laughs> so it's real quick, so it's like, all right, so everybody's having a good time. We're drinking vodka. <laughs> so it's like vodka drinking. And all of a sudden, we go to the hotel. And we go to the hotel, and I'm staying. And I was trying to figure out who was the last president to ever go to North Korea. Do you know? No. I don't either. <laughs> I'm asking you. Yeah. No, I don't know, but... Uh, it was one of the presidents that went over there, and I stayed in his suite. And it's this big, big room, like 3,000 square foot balcony, and all that other stuff. So, and they asked me when I went in the room, they said, what do you like to drink? I said, um, Diet Coke. <laughs> said, they looked at me so stupid. <laughs> I, said, Diet I said, Diet Coke, you know, Diet Coke, you know. Diet Coke, and the guy's trying to interpret it to him. He said, Diet Coke, he said, uh, no, we don't have Diet Coke. And he came back and said, oh, Coke Zero. Coke Zero, I said, well, same shit, damn it. <laughs> same shit. Same, I so, agree. Same thing. So, so I get into, go back to the room, go, go work out. There's like a three cases of Coke Zero in, in, in my room. And every, every morning when we, when we get up, there's about 30 people sitting there in breakfast. I mean, food everywhere. I mean, food, eyes can see. Where'd you meet Kim? When did you meet Kim Jong-un in this? Well, I met him, actually, I met him at the hotel. They, uh, one of the, the leaders over there said, mm, we got a surprise for you. And, you know, we go on and sit, 30, 40, 40 people, send them on a the table, food everywhere, drinks, stuff like that. And the head leader, you know, underneath Kim Jong-un came in and said, we got a surprise for you tomorrow night at the game. And I'm still playing like, I don't know who, what he's talking about, what's going on. I've never seen a picture of him at all. So it was a, I was playing a game in North Korea, and it was funny. He wanted me to play. I said, no, I'm not going to play. So I went, sat on the bench, and it's like 20,000 people dressed in black and white. So I'm sitting down doing this. I got sweatpants, a jacket, t-shirt, hat, glasses, whatever. And everybody's dressed always suits, black and white. So all these guys come down, pick me up and say, come with me, come with me. It's, we're going to go up and sit up here. All right, so I go up there, and I'm sitting down. And all right, 20 people here, 20 people there. They all dressed in suits, stone face from hell. You know, that, that stuff's just stone face. And next thing you know, 20,000 people stood up and clapped. And I'm thinking it's for me. And they clapped in unison, <laughs> right? I think they it's clapped for together, me. Together, so, right? so I'm like, wow. I'm special, you know. <laughs> and, uh, 
And the next thing you know, I look over to my left, here's up come this short guy. And the short guy walks, walks out, like, you know, that, that whole thing he does. And so he walks out about five foot two, three, and he's walking down this way, and everybody's just standing up. I'm sitting down, you know. I'm, I'm sitting down, everybody's standing up. So he walks over here, him and his wife. So he comes to sit right here, probably this close right here. And he comes to stand here. I get to get up like this, but he pulls me down. He said, all right. So he's, he's up there waving, waving, waving. And I'm like doing this whole video. I'm doing this whole thing the whole time. Are they clapping? I'm like this. <laughs> so who is this guy? <laughs> so, so who is this guy right here? Well, everybody's like loving. And as he's telling everybody to, to be seated, and I've never seen nothing like that in my life. You know, I've never seen 20,000 people get so emotional. And I was just wondering, why, would they, why, why are they doing that? I mean, people right here, like they're clapping, crying. I'm like, wow. Well, why are they doing that? I had no clue. But I'm, I'm just saying, I had no clue. I'm like, wow, what's, who is this guy? So next thing you know, interpreter said, you know, you send by. I said, nope. He said, this is our supreme leader. And I'm still, still clueless. I'm like, who is, your, who is, who is this guy? And uh, I said, he's the president or something? <laughs> he's the president? He said, no, he's our leader. He said, every statue you see in our, in our country, it's him. I'm like, oh, okay. Now, then he started to hit me now, who this guy is. And it's so funny that after that, we was talking basketball the whole time. And he was so thrilled, so happy, the fact that America came over there and actually stood beside, sat beside him and talked nothing but basketball, nothing but this average stuff. What is, but what is he like? Because we don't give any sense of what he's like as Americans. You've sat and talked to him. So what is Kim Jong-un like? You know, um, he's funny as hell, though. Literally, he's funny. He's, he's like 34, funny. 35 years old. He loves basketball. That's all he does. He loves playing basketball. So we, we played a game of horse. And, and that's, all we, that's all we do, we just go and have a good time. We jet ski, we water ski, we snowboard, we do everything. If people don't believe this, we, we, he does that. And um, In the suit? No, not in the damn suit. <laughs> I got one of those. Uh, so no, he, he just, you know, shorts, you know, t-shirts, stuff like that. So I'm over there and it was so funny that the first time I was over there and we had dinner one night. And he actually, actually said something about, well, <clears throat> my birthday is coming up pretty soon in January. He said that? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. <clears throat> and I had this bright idea, you know, this, oh, hey, 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 hey. let me see if I can impress this guy. So <clears throat> about 20 minutes go by, 30 minutes, <clears throat> I looked at my people. I said, I'm going to say something really wild. Watch this. <clears throat> so I looked over here and I said, you know what? I'm going to give you a birthday gift. So the story. And I said, you know, I'm going to bring a basketball team over here for your birthday. And he just stood up and clapped, happy, da-da-da-da. He was just happy as hell. And like, I'm still saying, this guy's a leader, right? And I'm like, damn. He said, oh, that'd be so awesome. He said, you sure you can do that? I said, yep, I can do it. It's, it's your birthday. All of a sudden, I said, okay. After we got through doing our clapping, and he sat down. I looked at my people, and they said, I just really fucked up, didn't I? <laughs> I said, it's really a really bad thing right there. <laughs> Knowing I couldn't even do it, I couldn't even do it. I just thought, I just said it. <laughs> it just came out like that because I'm going to be the big man. So, so don't know the fact. All right, so the next thing you know, 
we, uh, we go back to the States and we trying to figure out how in the hell am I supposed to take a team over there and, and pull this off. It, and, and, and it was great, and we saw that at, on Vice. It, it, at what point did you say, hey, this guy's a repressive homicidal dictator? Well, I didn't look at that. <laughs> Just so that you know, I didn't look at that. No, I didn't look at that because you, I, you I, don't, you don't. Do you not care about that? Well, the dealer still. Because the life that you saw with the dinners and all that, that is not how 99% of North Korea lives, right? Well, well my whole purpose going to North Korea, and I keep trying to tell people this, I'm not there for politics. Right. Do you get that? Right. I say, I'm there for sports. Try to connect two countries together in sports. I'm not over there trying to ask that guy, don't chop his head off. Uh, please don't shoot your fucking sister or brother. I'm not over there doing that bullshit. I'm not doing that. That's not my job. Okay? And it's, it's amazing how, <laughs> it's amazing how that people have uh, is trying to correlate the fact that it's, it's going to actually, actually work, you know, because we've been in so, so many diff different situations in our lives over the last hundred years that sports heals a lot of wounds. Yeah. It does. Yeah. Heals a lot of wounds, even for that one day. Do you think that your, your personal basketball diplomacy has brought the two countries together? Has it made North Korea a little less likely to maybe launch a nuclear weapon? Uh, and again, <clears throat> I don't talk politics, but, but you know, I created it. I created it. I created the ambience of trying to get two countries together. And this is the funny part about this, that people didn't believe I can actually do that. But this is, this is where the awareness about North Korea became. I brought it to, to the forefront. But <clears throat> the one guy, Kenneth Bay, brought it to the forefront. And that's how we, we, we began to understand what North Korea is all about. Because I, I, I got to throw a question at you. Did you, eight years ago, care what North Korea was doing? Did you care? I mean... Uh, no, 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 yes. no, 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 come on, come on. Yes. Did, did, you, did you care? Yes, the, yes. About what? About North Korea. About what, what, is North, what, what did North Korea do to us eight, nine years ago? Well, to us personally. Well, I, I mean, since... Personally. Well, since... What did they do to us? I yeah, mean, what did they do I to mean, us? Since, since... I'm not, I'm not trying to protect North Korea. I'm just saying, what did they I mean, do to us? I, I don't know. Going back to Kim's father, there's been a consistent concern about them being a nuclear power and God knows what they would do with right. that. God, would they attack the West Coast of America? I, I don't know. I don't know, but that's been the concern. So, I mean, yes, I have been, one of the million worries in the mind has been like, maybe, the, you know, generally it seems like they generally tend to test to try to get our interest rather than actually do it. I don't, I don't think they would actually do it. I think they would understand no, they the suicidal nature of that. But, but the worry, maybe they'll do something crazy. Yeah, I mean, that's been there for a while, yeah. All right, so get back to my point. So, so get back to my point, because anyway, so, yeah, so anyway, I, I brought the game to North Korea, and he was so thrilled, so thrilled that I actually pulled it off as a company in, a, um, in London gave me a million dollars to take a team over there, a million dollars to take a team over there, and <clears throat> some guys were rejecting, no, I don't want to go, I don't want to go, I said, I'll pay you 40 grand for one game. So 
Everybody said, oh yeah, I'll go, I'll go. So, <laughs> so I, I, I go, I go, I go. So we get, we get over there, and they, they're thinking like, they're gonna get kidnapped or get shot or held hostage or something like that. And I try to, try to convey to them that it's not that bad. I mean, they love Americans. And once we got over there, they got off the plane. They couldn't believe it, how nice they were to the Americans. Players. You did get somebody released, did you not? Well, I got a couple released, but the last one they blamed me. They blamed me because he died. And that's tough. I didn't want to do this. <laughs> but get it together, right? No, no, no. Get it together. Issue. It's a serious issue. No, I know, just get it together. <laughs> Guys, the first thing people see is your face. And if you want to win, you got to put your best face forward. You can do that with Scotch Porter. Their subscription box has the best beard, face, hair, body, and shaving products that you need to look amazing. I've been using it. I think I look better since I started doing it, but I guess you have to ask my wife. But head over to scotchporter.com slash and get your first box completely free. Just pay shipping. If you want to cancel anytime, no BS, you can, but you won't want to because the products are fantastic. So check it out at scotchporter.com slash That's S-C-O-T-C-H-P-O-R-T-E-R dot com slash T-O-U-R-E. You're going to look amazing. Um, I got that, I got that out the way. Yeah, <laughs> so, so, um, yeah um, I, I had a, a big part to do with Ken and Bay. And um, I, I think the fact that I had a big part of it because I made the world awareness, aware of the fact that he was there. And, um, and when he was there, I talked to Kim Jong-un, and I'm like, you know, so what's, what's going on with this cost system, whatever, right? And we're on this boat, and, um, and uh, he said, well, I don't know. We're thinking about doing something really good for the country, uh, U.S. So we're on the boat, and I didn't even know this. I was sitting with him smoking cigars, and that was Kenan Bay coming to the boat to see us. And he was going to release Kenan Bay right there. I didn't know that. And again, I'm not there for politics. I think the reason why he, he takes a, a, a likeness to me because as he told me one day, he said, you know what? He said, you're probably the only American in the history of our country, and your country, has not lied to me. So by me saying what I said to him, by bringing the basketball team, I'm pretty sure he think he didn't believe it. I know I didn't believe it. <laughs> but when, <laughs> when I actually did it, he actually just like, like I was emotional about it. Because he couldn't believe that someone, that he actually said, wow, you know, somebody actually likes us. That's how he thinks. I mean, you talk about like, you know, I'm there for sports, I'm there for basketball, I'm not there for politics. But I think you see you can't help but get dragged into it in a situation like that. And yeah. I'm there for basketball, and then next thing you know, you're talking about Kenneth Bay, and then the, the auto thing happens, and like, you, you can't help but get dragged into politics in a place like North Korea. Yeah, but um, the one thing we don't talk about in North Korea is politics. They want to talk about sports. And they did ask me one day about, if you could, Dennis, go back to America and ask the president for three things. And I, I didn't ask for that. They came to me and told me that they want me to go back and ask Obama 
<laughs> what did they want you to ask them? The first thing they asked me is say, could you have them move the ships farther away from South Korea? Okay. And the second thing they asked me that he wanted to talk to Obama, who was president, about nothing but just talk. That's okay. the second thing. And the third thing is more like, you know, it's heavy politics. And we're sitting there, there's like six of us in there. And it's like two hours later, they said, that's okay, Dennis. That's okay. We don't want to do this to you. You know, we're sorry about that. So just forget what we said. So I never said about that ever to now. So you never said anything further? No. We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick, let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy, and we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy, and I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer, because I know DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered. One of the people who helped inspire me to want to be in broadcasting is Oprah Winfrey. She's an inspiration for so many of us, but her daytime talk show was so incredible. And it told me that you could be black and authentic and real on TV. And that made me want to do it, too. Black Stories, Black Truths is NPR's new collection that's a celebration of blackness. Each of NPR's black voices are as direct, varied, distinct and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and how to create world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account of what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. Black perspectives that haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story, but now they are the story. On NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center Black voices. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as varied, as nuanced, and as Black as we are. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get your podcasts. Influencer. It's a word that gets tossed around a lot these days. There is a woman who went the distance, who broke ground as the first true influencer by living a remarkable life. Her name, Elizabeth Taylor. I'm Katy Perry. This is the story of the original influencer. This is Elizabeth the First. Elizabeth the First, the podcast, wherever you listen. We'll get back to the show in a second, but we all want to take care of our family. We all want to provide 
and make the people we feel closest to feel comfortable. That's why we go to the store in the middle of the night to pick up cold medicine. That's why we go to the ballet recital when we don't really care. That's why we drive them to the baseball game that's two hours away. Because we want to take care of our family. And if you're a good mom or a good dad, you're going to think about taking care of your family even when you're not here. You would make lunch for them if you were going on a trip. You would make sure that their clothes are laid out. If you're going to be away, what happens if you die? Would you be able to take care of them then? You could with life insurance. Seriously. And the easiest way to get life insurance that will provide them with money, that will take care of them, God forbid something happens to you, go to Policy Genius. In two minutes, you can compare quotes from top insurers and find the best policy for you. When you compare quotes, you save money. Four million people have gotten insurance through Policy Genius. So if you're looking for a good reason to buy life insurance, think about your family. You can think about the prices being at a 20-year low, or you could think about your family and how to take care of them and provide them with some income. God forbid something happens to you. Go to policygenius.com, get quotes and apply in minutes. Do the whole thing on your phone. Policy Genius is the easy way to compare and buy life insurance so you can take care of your family after you're gone. We want to go to audience questions in a, in a few minutes, but I want to talk to you about basketball um, because I've been a fan since the Detroit Pistons days <laughs> and the, you know, all that. And I mean, like, for one thing I want to talk about is I remember you as a Piston and you were dope, but when you went to the Spurs and the Bulls, you were even greater, right? And there was something about you personally off the court that was totally different and on the court that was more electrified and more energized, even greater than you'd been with the Pistons. What happened that led to that personal on-court and off-court change? Like the worm develops after 93 with the Spurs and the Bulls, not really with the Pistons. So what, what happened? Um, 93, that's when my, my life changed a lot because, you know, I tried to shoot myself one night and uh, a lot of things, I went through a lot of changes at that moment. Why did you do that? Because I didn't like who I was. I was too much of a follower. I didn't know directions I was going at that particular time. So everything was just unraveling around me. Wife takes over my baby, steal my money, wreck my house. My coach is over here. My mom's in the hospital. Da da da. Everything's just going nuts. You know, I'm like, whoa. You know, so basically, I, you know, I, I wasn't actually trying to kill myself. I was just think I had the the notion to go perform that act. You know, so I just went to in the parking lot, got a shotgun, held it to my head. Thank God, thank God, I went to sleep. You pulled the trigger? No. What <laughs> I said? Thank God, I went to sleep. You had the shotgun and yeah. you fell asleep. Fell asleep because you were drunk. No, no. Why did you fall asleep? I had no clue. <laughs> but, and uh, I was listening, I was actually listening to Pro Jam. Okay. Pro Jam. Any better? <laughs> <laughs> I was listening to Pro Jam, it was just, just mellowed me out, and I, was just, I just fell asleep, and you got helicopters, cops, and stuff around, and they pulled me out and da da da, tried to take me to a psych ward or something. And uh, that way to change my whole perspective about living life. Then when I went to San Antonio, my life took off in a whole different direction. Yeah. yeah. Then you started doing the hair, right. the nails, the off-court stuff, the and, and, t- and tattoos. On, and on-court, you were different, too. Well, on-court. I mean, I'm, I'm more of aggressiveness on the court. 
And I always tell people, if you look at some of my things I say on TV, I never played the game for money. I never did. I never played for money. No, I just love the game. You were a really special, different, disruptive player. Like when you were on the court, like different things would happen than when you were not on the court. Talk about what you tried to do on the court, especially defensively, you would completely change the game. Well, I, can, I can't say that I can I totally uh, put that on my, on my plate. I just think that I just had a good core of guys around me that actually supported me with the things I was doing on and off the court. And they let me do anything I want to do as far as uh, being me. And I might, you know, I might go to Miami and <clears throat> dress up in drag. <laughs> my good friend Elaine right there. So how you doing? And uh, I may go to uh, wrestle in Detroit. I may go here. I probably go to you know London and stuff like that. But they let me do stuff like that during the season, and I respected them for that. And it's just and like I said, I don't know how and why that I became what became. And I'm talking about some of your your philosophies on the court, rebounding, which you were the best rebounder of all time you know, and defensive, one of the greatest defensive players of all time. Like, what are some of the things that you figured out about rebounding and defense that made you so special? I just understood that I understood the game of basketball. You know, I didn't try to go out there and uh, learn the game. I tried to go out there and play the game the way it should be played. And, you know, we are, we are enemies on the court, but off the court, we're friends. And I look at it like that. So, um, for me, as far as like surviving those years, all those years, and I can remember a time when I, went, when I started getting tattoos, David Stern came to me and said, Dennis, I need to talk to you. <laughs> I need to talk to you. He said, I said, what about, David? He said, you cannot get no more tattoos. You can't get any more. You've reached the NBA limit. <laughs> <laughs> limit is four. You can't was, have any more. That was, it. That, was in, that was in 93, 94. And he said, Dennis, if you get any more tattoos, we're going to kick you out the league. What? For what? This is a true story. For what? This is, this is a true story. We're going to kick you out the league. So I kept getting tattoos. And so <laughs> how soon after that conversation did you get the next tattoo? Like the next day? And, you know, living, living in San Antonio. Is anyone been to San Antonio? Yep. It's the Bible Belt, right? It's, it's the Bible Belt, right? And I was getting tattoos, cutting my hair, cutting my nails, wearing women's lingerie, stuff like that. <laughs> and yes, we I, do. I, I'll be on the plane with, uh, be on the plane playing Nintendo and stuff like that. And David Roberts be sitting right here, here, and I'm sitting there playing. And the whole time on the on the plane, he's doing this to me, just looking at me, just like this. So I say, you know what? I'm gonna stare right back at this guy and look at him and say, "What's the problem, man?" And he said, "Man, why are you why are you so crazy? You act like the you act like the fucking devil." I'm like, I said, what? He told me, I'm like, really? Okay. Tattoos? I'm like, it's like, what? Okay, guy. Whatever, man. So it's so like this. But it's like, I think that's the main reason why I got released from San Antonio because I guess they couldn't say, forsake, control me because I wasn't in their system. You were part of the greatest season of all time with the Bulls. One of the greatest team of all time. Um, played with the greatest player of all time, Michael Jordan. What was it like playing with Jordan? It was awesome, man. It was awesome. You know, it's, it's funny when you, when you get around people that's inspired and, and um, uh, increase the level of uh, livelihoods for people around the world. Michael's probably the first one to do it. You know, you know 
it's just amazing to see people that so creativity-wise have so much to offer for people. He had a lot to offer people. And Michael's, you know, they used to call him Black, Black Jesus in Chicago because, you know, he just, you know, it was like you got Jesus, you got, you got, you got God, Jesus, and the devil. <laughs> so, so Michael Scotty Dennis, that's what he used to call us. <laughs> so, so it was like, okay, the devil, okay, got it. So it, the Holy it, Ghost. The Holy Ghost, or the Holy Spirit or whatever. But it, it was such a great, great honor to be there because the people love the fact that, you know. We heard that he was hard on his teammates because he wanted oh, yeah. people to get to their highest level. Was oh, yeah. he hard on you? No, he wasn't. We really talked, me and Michael. You know, for the first year, I think I, think I had probably two conversations with Michael, Michael Jordan, that, that first year. Two? Two conversations. That's it. I, I didn't talk to my teammates in the beginning. You know, I just want to go out there and play my game, get my get my bearings, get my foot, you know, playing to the ground, and um, and that's pretty much what it was. You stayed grabbing rebounds over guys who were six inches taller than you and more. Like, how did you do that? I just I just knew the game of basketball, and I just every day I've been in the, in the film room at four o'clock in the morning, just studying the people. You know, I weighed two hundred fifteen pounds at the time. Guys went to 82, 90, but yeah. I knew how to position myself, know how to to create a havoc because I was quick. I can bounce, 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 and most guys are so heavy, you know, <laughs> to the low to the ground. I'm just like, so. What does eating healthy mean to you? Whatever your eating goals, Thrive Market is the best place to get all your groceries and household essentials. And getting Thrive shipped to your door is like having a great supermarket right outside your house. I love that Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and ethical sourcing methods. Whether you're looking for organic kid snacks or low sugar alternatives or gluten-free essentials, Thrive Market's got it and their site lets you curate your shopping experience quickly. And as a Thrive member, I save on every order, usually about 30%, which of course I love. And when you join, you help a family in need with the membership matching program. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a $60 gift for free. Go to thrivemarket.com slash for 30% off your first order plus that free $60 gift. That's Thrive, T-H-R-I-V-E Market dot com slash Torrey thrive market dot com slash Torrey on March 16th 2000 two sheriff's deputies were shot in Atlanta Jamil Alamin a Muslim leader and former black power activist was convicted but the evidence was shaky and the whole truth didn't come out during the trial my name is mostly secret and when I started investigating this case in my hometown I uncovered a dark truth about America from tenderfoot tv campside media and iheart podcasts radical is available now Listen to the new podcast, Radical, for free on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. It, fe- it seems like, and we're going to go to audience questions in a moment, it seems like you're a very creative person, but the thing that you have created is you. Yeah. Right? And you have been the, 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 the palette or the, the painting that you have been working on all these years. Is that how you see it? <clears throat> it's, the same thing, it's the same thing when I went to North Korea. You know, I got all this get up on, nails, hair piercings and everything like that. The same thing about that. It was funny the hotties, how they welcomed, welcomed me looking like this. 
I mean, work with me. They didn't even look at this. They're like, okay, thank you. But even in NBA, I did create some type of uh, image in the NBA as yeah. independency and stuff like that. Yeah. And now what you see in the NBA is what you're seeing. Everybody got tattoos, piercing, everybody got all this stuff, da 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 da. So it's, just, so you, it's a normal thing now. You're trying to encourage others to just, just do whatever you want to do? No, I'm just saying, under, under certain circumstances. <laughs> that's, that's about it. Uh, Ma'am. My name's Sharon Rivera. I'm from Detroit. We loved you there, Dennis. We just loved you there. And the thing that I want to ask you is, I have five kids that mm. grew up there, and it really hurts me that they have the impression that you I support Donald Trump when he doesn't really do anything for us back there. And does even though you say politics is not your thing, do you feel any responsibility to those kids who adore you and support you, who are being hurt by the policies of this administration? It's a great question. Mm. <clears throat> well, like I said, it's a good question. <clears throat> I was in, uh, I support Donald Trump as a friend. And what he does as president, pres as a president, I can't control that. A lot of people want to sit there and say, okay, great, since you're so good friends with him, why, why won't you go and try to talk some, some knowledge to him about helping people in certain cities? You can control your feelings about it. She's asking you how you feel about it. Oh, I feel okay. Well, I feel, I'll just give you that point. <clears throat> I feel about the, the uh, situation in Detroit. Well, I mean, she's talking about the policies of Trump do not support people who look like you and people who are your fans. <clears throat> but, <clears throat> okay, I got it now. What you, what you, what you say, what, 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 what I'm getting now is the fact that let's get one thing straight. You know, like I said, I'm not here to, you know, throwing knives at people back and vice versa, but I'm saying everyone think Donald Trump is racist. Everything, everything, he, everything he's racist as hell. I mean, I, I don't think so. I mean, I don't think so. Why not? I, I, I don't think so. Why not? But I mean, it's, it's, it's funny how we look with, uh, some people look with, with a blind eye. Um, if, did you see that piece the other day with uh, Kanye West and you know, Jim Brown and stuff like that? Yeah. That's amazing. They made some, they made some points right there. They made some good points, right? Okay. It, it, made some, it made some good points in certain situations. In certain situations they did, but you can say they're out of line. But I don't support Trump when it comes to, okay, great. It's okay for the president of the United States, Donald Trump, to go pay a, a hooker $130,000 and then tell us not to do all this other shit out of here, okay? It's okay for him to go sit there, okay, great. Pay it, okay. It's okay. But it's like, and all of a sudden you got this whole, this whole thing that's going around Donald Trump because Donald Trump have a tendency to say the most crazy shit on the planet. I mean, the most craziest thing on the planet. And we're like, wow, I like that president. He's making us money. The world's economy is coming back. Oh my God. Then all of a sudden you get questions like, oh shit, what about the communities? What about this city? What about this city? Like, okay, great. He's trying to do everything in the world. He can. But you know, but there's another person that's trying to do the same thing in Detroit. Says I'm going to Detroit after I leave here. I'm going to tonight. And the guy that owns the Cleveland Cavaliers, anyone know who that guy? That guy right there. He's buying up a lot of uh, property in a lot of neighborhoods in, um, in, um, in Detroit. Look him up. And 
You should ask him why he's not doing anything. Why is he not doing anything? He's buying everything up in Detroit. He's buying up everything. And Donald Trump is not buying things. That guy in Cleveland has bought more stuff in Detroit's neighborhoods, property, and stuff like that. But you don't see that. But you want to put it all in the president? Okay, great. Like I said, I don't believe, I don't, I don't, I don't, um, um, I'm just not sure how you can argue that he's not racist. He's quite clearly racist. <laughs> no, it's not. No, it's not. I mean, I mean, I don't even want to make this a whole, like, you know, back and forth thing. Like I said, he's, he's, he's not racist. I mean, he's not. I mean, I don't want to see that in him. I don't want to see it. If I did say it, I mean, if I did see it, I'm not going to say it. If you saw it, you wouldn't say it. Okay, go ahead, sir. What up, Dennis? Uh, I'm Eric. I'm, uh, I'm Detroit native. Uh, Gilbert did bring the city back, man. It's popping. But I have a more serious question. Um, what kind of video games does Kim play? It's <laughs> funny, right? He, he watched a lot of movies. <clears throat> and uh, he watched a lot of... Um, he, he does play games. He played Donkey Kong. Uh, he plays. He plays, um, he plays Pac-Man. He plays a lot of cool things. The old games, though. Mm. Sir. Okay. So. Nice shirt. Oh, thanks. <laughs> yeah. So the research has been done, and Kim Jong Un, he is a despotic ruler who controls the media and is responsible for the death and suffering of many of his citizens. But similar things can be said about Donald Trump and Barack Obama. It's just part of the nature of being the head of state, you're responsible. So what allows you to put away judgment and just be friends with Kim Jong-un, even though he's been a cold-blooded killer? Like, what allows you to put that aside and just be friends with him and talk about basketball? What's he saying? What did he say? What did he say? He said, how do you put aside Kim's repressive, oh, okay. homicidal dictatorship yeah. okay. uh, I and just be friends with him, just talk basketball? How can I put that aside? Uh, I'm giving you guys something that I said to him one day. And see what you guys think about this, what I said. I said to him one day, his birthday party, and we all doing toasts and stuff like that. And it came to him. He said, oh, thank you, Dennis. Okay. So he came to me. And <laughs> this came out of left field. So I just said, okay, great. I got something to say to you, man. Uh, so you just, this is what I want to say to you. Thank you for having me in your country. Da, 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 da. You're great to me and my friends, stuff like that. But I got, I got one thing to say to you. Your grandfather was a fucking hell of a mother. He was a bad guy. I said, your, your father was a motherfucker. <laughs> this, is what I, this is what I said to him. And next I said, dude, I'm going to tell you one thing, man. You've been so cool to me. You're probably the best one out of all three of those. And he looked at me and laughed and started clapping. <laughs> and I'm like, and my friend said, you really fucked up this time. <laughs> so, 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 I just, I told him that, that his grandfather was damn, his father was like hell. But him, <clears throat> him, he was cool to me. Because I don't know anything about that. I don't know anything what's going on. That's what I've seen in the military. I've seen, I've seen um, blind kids perform in front of me. I've seen uh, deaf kids perform in front of me. I've seen uh, handicapped, I've seen everything possible in North Korea. But still, but still, they sit there with on their damn knees and sit there and say, thank you, Dennis. That's what they do. And guess what? But you don't see that. Because if I ask people in North Korea, and I always do, I said, do you guys hate Americans? They said, no, we don't. 
You ever hear that? Okay. Okay, I'm just saying though, they say that they don't hate Americans. It's, it's the fact that how we, how we have uh, became this situation with uh, North Korea and Americans. If you had the, the ability to go to North Korea, go to North Korea and go sit down and talk to the people in North Korea, and then would you come over here and lie or would you tell the truth? Well, I'd tell the truth. Okay, if those people were very nice to you, they were very nice to you, and Curtis did everything and said, please come back, we welcome you back, what would you say? Okay. That's a bad country? No. No, what would but you I say? I'm say, would you go back? Perhaps. So there you go. <clears throat> but you're talking about the rank and file. I think what he, what my Nirvana fan brother is talking about <laughs> is, hey, uh, this guy you're friends with has killed a lot of people and made the lives of millions of people horrible, and you're just talking to him about basketball, and you're okay with that? Well, I know one thing. I know the fact that his, his father, passed the throne to him. He just got in power last year, pretty much a year and a half ago. So what he did over the last year and a half ago, I don't know. I mean, the first, the first six and a half years I was over there, I came over there, he had no control. Sir. Oh, uh, hi, Dennis, big fan. I uh, bought the popcorn t-shirt. Uh, <laughs> That's the <laughs> Yeah, uh, I was just wondering if you uh, think that Pope Francis is gonna have a good time when he goes over there, as Moon Jae-in <laughs> has just delivered the invitation. I know, right, that'd be fun, right? Let me see if it's, it's like when, uh, when Kim Jong-un went over to South Korea, right? And President Moon, I, I was over there in South Korea like last, last year, and they walked around the city and stuff like that and talking about how they can uh, join uh, forces with each other and, and join and put the right. two countries back together. Right. And, and that's the fact though, how is that possible when his father wouldn't do it, but he's, he's willing to do stuff like this? If he goes over to, to talk to Kim Jong-un, he'll probably have the same conclusion I have. And because, you know what, anyone here can tell me what Donald Trump said before he went in that summit. Can anyone tell me what the first thing he said when he walked in, in that summit? What? Can anyone say it? What he said when he got the car before he walked in the summit. You know, you, know, you know Donald Trump, he tried to be in control. He said, well, I can tell in two minutes if I like this guy. Remember he said that? Okay. That's the first thing that came out of his mouth. Okay. And he walked in. So he walks in there. It took him almost six and a half hours to say, hi, God, I like this guy. This guy is awesome. But I said, he said that. And then when he was sitting down like this, he was writing a tree and stuff like that. He was, Donald Trump was smiling and doing everything in the world, just giving that guy praises. He was giving praises. I'm saying, I don't care if it was fake or false or whatever, but he was giving that guy praises. Uh, go ahead. Uh, so I was just wondering if uh, Kim had any good jokes, and if so, I remember any. <laughs> uh, good question. <laughs> he has good jokes. Um, Does he speak English? No. So you're talking through the interpreter. Interpreter, right? But you know, he, <laughs> no, he, he doesn't have any jokes. I mean, he just he loves to just talk. He's just, just, he like, just he's just funny. Just, in he the just he's just funny in the moment and stuff like that. It's like when I play with his daughter, and no one's ever done that in our crib. I play with his daughter and stuff like that, and I went over and gave her like a '91 jersey. She's walking around and stuff like that, and he's up there clapping and laughing. And I'm like, okay, great. But you know, it's like. Uh, those are the things I keep trying to tell you guys. Those are the things that I see. I don't want to go to any country on this planet to go see misery. I don't want to do that. If I have to do it, I'll do it. 
but I don't want to go and have that. That's my last impression about any country. You don't want to go and see misery. I understand that. But if you bring the cameras with you and you see a certain part of the country and 99% of the country is different, have you not given Americans a skewed vision of the country you went to? Well, I, I tried to uh, um, take my camera crew last time to show the first six years I was over there and then the last two years I've been over there. He has changed the culture so much. He has torn down so much of the poverty and made it so modern. And nobody sees that. I think he's changed like 45% of the, of the whole city now. And he's trying to change a lot. He has the largest... you saying he decreased poverty there? He's trying to do everything he can to do that. That's for sure. And I, I see it. You know, he got the largest thing park in the world. He got the largest ski resorts in the world. People don't know that. So he's trying to change everything over there for his people. <laughs> Thanks to Dennis for a great interview, and thanks to you for listening. Torrey Show gives you fuel to power your dreams because you can use your dreams like a rocket ship to blast you into a life you never imagined. You can make your dreams a reality, and this show can help. I'm on Twitter at Torrey and on Instagram at Torrey Show. Please subscribe, rate, and review, and tell your friends about the show. Torrey Show is written by me, Torrey, and produced by Chris Colbert, with help from Jason Wallace, Candid Nicole, and our photographer, Chuck Marcus. We'll be back next Wednesday with more knowledge from amazing folks, because the man can't shut us down. We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick, let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy, and we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy, and I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer, because I know DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered.